We are in the book of Revelation. And we have moved now from the second to the third chapter. Look at us fly by these guys. <laughs> um, I, th I think, it, 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 as some of you have told me now, quite a few have told me that uh, this has really been a, a really important study in your life and, and very critical for us to understand what, what we need to learn from these churches. Um, uh, so far we are... We are now in the uh, third chapter, but if, if you would allow me, please, uh, just the patience of maybe a minute, maybe two, just to review. Uh, in chapter two, we, we came across four different churches. One of them, Smyrna, that, that the Lord had no warning towards. But to the first church, the church at Ephesus in chapter two, verses one through seven, we learned one thing of, of great importance, and that is that we should not ever leave our first love of Jesus Christ. That's going to be critical for today's message. Not leaving our first love. Rather, we were told in that place in Scripture that we are to put to test all who teach the Word of God. That is why here at this church, we teach line upon line. In almost every setting that we have, we want you the privilege of, of opening up your Bibles and seeing if what is being said is true or not that you can have some barometer to, to judge how are you doing in your walk with Jesus Christ. Plus, we believe the Word of God is the one thing that, that will really pierce any and all of our hearts. And so we were to put to test those who teach the Word of God. And then in each church, he says, there are overcomers. And then he also says, to those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Well, to the overcomer in the church, at the church at Ephesus, he says, For those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, we shall eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Then to the church at Smyrna, verses 8 through 11, he gave no warning, but he, he said that we are to remain faithful until death, and not to fear. He also mentioned that everyone shall go through various trials, Trials in your life and my life and everyone's life are inevitable to one degree or another. And so it says, but to those of us who overcome, who go and, and to hang in there and not fear and be faithful until death, he says, we will have the crown of life and we will not be hurt by the second death. That is the casting into hell. To the church, third church, the church at Pergamum in, in chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, our Lord tells us, uh, not to compromise, not to tolerate sin within the church or within our lives. Rather, we are to hold fast, again it says, to the teaching of the Word of God and to repent of all sin and not to allow worldliness to creep into the church. It says to the overcomers to that church, we will receive a new a stone with a new name written on it that only our Lord knows and we know. It talks of our personal intimacy that we will have with our Savior. It's just, it's really beautiful. Then to the fourth church, the church at Thyatira, in chapter 2, verses 18 to 29, the problems within that church grow worse. Jesus warns them again against compromise, against tolerating sin within the church that comes from the outside. And he says that we, that those of us who remain faithful, are to hold fast. 
to the things of God. He says He will give us authority. We will rule with Him, but most wonderfully, He tells us that we will receive the morning star, none other than Jesus Christ Himself, and, 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 and He will be with us forever and ever to protect us and guide us throughout eternity. That's just spellbinding to me. Well, today, we come to a church called Sardis. And Sardis, I believe, is worse than the other three, not counting Smyrna. Sardis is worse because everything around them tells them they're alive. But the Lord looks at them and He says, No, you're spiritually dead. And so we entitled this message uh, Apathy, Indifference. It leads to death. Um, I would love for you to read with me out of, uh, out of Revelation chapter 3 and listen to the warning. I believe the warning is clear. Our Lord says, wake up. Strengthen the things that remain, He will say. The warning's clear. Be careful, He says, of apathy and indifference towards the Lord, His work, service for Him, um, your life. He desires our whole hearts. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Jesus says, And to the angel of the church at Smyrna write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds. You have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Verse 3, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, and keep it, and repent. If therefore you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. Verse 4, But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Praise the Lord. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase their name from the book of life, and I will confess their name before my Father and before his angels. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we come before you to ask that you would do what only you can do. That you would move the speaker aside so that we would not be encumbered by a human mind thought, but rather that we might be able to examine your words. Have you speak to us, Father. Open up our eyes as we pray almost every week, as it says in Psalms 119. Open up our eyes, dear Father, so that we might, so that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Teach us, dear Father, as has been said, would you comfort us where we need comfort? Would you convict us, dear Father, where we need convicting? And would you conform us, Father, into the image of your Son, that we might 
we might be passionate about what we believe. We might wake up if need be. We might strengthen the things which remain if need be. That we would not be a church that thinks it's alive and yet is dead. Father, please, take any apathy, any indifference away from us, far away from us. Lead us in your path, in your way. May we find that church and, and being with you and other believers is, is critical to our lives so that we might walk faithfully with you as a group of people. Lord, thank you for this time of this year, this season. We celebrate, dear Father, the, the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. We, we celebrate, Father, the very essence of our faith. This coming week, would you bless, Father? Would you bless it? If you bring friends, if you bring relatives, if you bring loved ones, Father, next week, may they have ears to hear. Would you prepare their hearts even now, I pray, Father? And more importantly, would you prepare ours so that we might be a pure vessel? As you mentioned here in this message, that we would, we would be a people who have not soiled our garments, that we would walk with you in, in white, that we would be of all things, Father, worthy. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, this is some message here. I'm, no, not what I'm about to say, what we just read. Please forgive me. I always get a little intimidated by that. Um, the whole idea of, of how these churches are f unfolding before us. We saw in Ephesus that they left their first love. We can't do that. We just can't make that a, a, a part of our lives. We've got to... We've got to consider our Lord as of most importance. If we do, if we place Him of most importance, then all the other things that we are trying to, trying to uh, put into to certain areas and certain brackets within our lives, all of these things will fall into place. First and foremost is to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our minds. And then in Pergamum, they, they battled against the world. The world started to infiltrate into the church, and we, we can't allow that. We can't allow apathy or indifference to, to come into this place so that we would allow the, the world system to dictate to us what, what God wants. Uh, it's important for a church to, to not allow that to happen, to not be caught up in the whole idea of marketing. You know, let's market this, this place. Let's, let's make it popular to come here. No, no, no. Let, let's, let's love the Lord with all of our hearts, and let, let's let Him market this place. He says that if we do that, He will add to our numbers daily people who are being saved. That's the genuine church. And the third church we saw in, in chapter 2 of Thyatira, they, they not only allowed worldliness to come in, but they tolerated it. And then they compromised. They said, oh, no big deal. Yeah, it is. It's a huge deal. What are the dangers of, of the church that's dying? What, what does it look like? Well, one of the commentaries I read that I trust very much, he said, one of the dangerous signs is when you, you become content to rest on your past laurels. In other words, we're doing all right. We're, let's, let's keep on keeping on. 
And let's, let's find other things that we can say to God. Come, come God, here's what we want to do. Come bless us. Instead of keeping our focus on, God, where are you moving this, the Rock Community Church? Where, where are you moving us so that we can move with you and be blessed? Rather than making it the other way around. Not being content to rest on what we've done. Another danger sign is when it we become more concerned with the traditions of religion rather than the spiritual reality. What is God doing? Another danger sign is when we focus on curing social ills rather than changing people's hearts through the preaching of the life-giving gospel message of Jesus Christ, which we will do next week. You know, I, I'm kind of home alone right now this past week. Uh, my wife's up north with with the kids, and they're having church, and uh, Dan and Cassie's church, and Kay's there, and I, I, know, I know exactly what she's doing. She's taking care of the grandkids. She, she just can't, she can't get enough of them, which is a good thing. And uh, I've been home now alone, and so I'm, I have nothing to do but just study. That's what I do. And, and I was wondering, what am I going to preach for Easter? I've been, are we going to have to leave the book of Revelation? More than likely, I thought, and we'll, we'll just do a, a resurrection theme and, and we'll try to encourage the people that you're going to bring. We're going to preach the message to, to more of your, your, your friends and your family and, and those people that don't come to church every week. We're going to try with all of our hearts to reach them with the message of Jesus Christ. And, and I was reading through here in Sardis and, and I, I was reading and I, I said in verse 1, I know your deeds. I know you have a name. You're alive, but you're dead. And I'm thinking alive, dead, alive, dead, dead, alive. Jesus Christ, they thought was dead, but he is alive. And I thought, I'm going to do the message right out of here. And it goes on to say, I'm trying to, I'm just talking to you right now, but I'm going on to say, you, if, if you're not spoiled your garments, you can walk with him you can become worthy, and we're going to talk about that next week. And when we bring our friends that, and, and we give them the life-giving giving message of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I promise you, when you bring your loved ones, I, I, won't, I won't be rude. I won't, you know, uh, you're going to hell. You know? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to give them the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. That's what a church is to do. The danger signs for a church is when it becomes more concerned with material things rather than the spiritual things. When it becomes more concerned with what, what does men think about us rather than what does the Bible say about us. That's, that's what today's all about. And when it loses its conviction that every word of the Bible is a word that proceeded out of the mouth of our God. And so he went on to write, no matter what a church's attendance might be, no matter how impressive their buildings might be, no matter what their status is within the community, a church is in a danger sign when it denies the only source of its spiritual life, and that's Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives here amongst us and within us. When we lose those things and we move towards being dead, Last night I went home and I wasn't really happy with the message and so far as I, I felt like it just, and I don't know, and I went home and I just opened up my Bible and I started reading and I said, gosh, how can this, what can I say? And I came across a, just a fabulous place. It, it talks about death and life and it says it's so real. It was in the, 
you know the story in, in the book of Luke in the, the 15th chapter. We, in fact, Brian, God bless your heart, added this. Uh, this wasn't there last night, uh, Luke and, and uh, Colossians. He added that. In, in Luke chapter 15, that's the story of the prodigal uh, son, really the father. You know, the son runs off, right? And, and he wants his wealth right now, and he goes off and he squanders it all, right? And he comes back, and his father sees him coming back, and his father rushes out to greet his son. And he says, this son of mine, in Luke chapter 15, verse 24, my son was dead, he said. But he's come to life again, he said. He was lost, his father said, but now he is found, his father said. Let's celebrate. Later in that chapter, the, the older son, you know, the older son complaining, we've been here all faithfully for you all this time. You've had no par- party for me. You've, you've not killed any fatted calf for me. And I've been doing all the work. And this guy comes back and look, look what we're doing. You know, it reminds me of, it reminds me of Peter. Remember when Peter said to the Lord, the Lord tells him what he's going to do and how he's going to have to die for him. And he says, what about John? Remember? And the Lord says to him, what does it matter to you what I do with John? You, follow me. Boy, I like that. Takes our eyes off the other people and puts our eyes right where it ought to be, on ourselves. What are we going to do with our lives, with our God? Regardless of others. And so the father looked at his older son and he said, we, we had... This is in Luke chapter 15, verse 32. He said, we had to celebrate. We had to rejoice. Your brother was dead. And he has now begun to live. He was lost. He's now found. Gosh, that's, that to me is good. That, that's great stuff right there. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, when you were dead, dead in your transgressions, dead in your sins, God made you alive together with Him because He forgave you all your transgressions. That's, that's life. That's passion. And so let's take a look at Sardis. They say, we're alive. We're, we're a thriving growing church let's say look at our buildings look at all that we have we're alive and god looks at him and says yeah you're spiritually dead because at sardis they were filled within with sin unbelief false teaching and sardis like the fig tree in the parable in matthew chapter 21 verse 19 they bore leaves all right but there was absolutely no fruit You see, spiritual death, in the New Testament, spiritual death always connects itself with one cause, and that is sin. Always. Paul says as much, Ephesians 2.1, You were dead in your transgressions, or your trespasses, and in your sin. So what about Sardis? They were about 30 miles south of Thyatira. They were the capital Lydia. Cyrus, I mean Sardis, excuse me, was built on the top of this mountain and it had steep, steep slopes. It was 
almost impregnable. You couldn't get to it. It, it. it made this city extremely strong and fortified. They were known for their might and they were known for their wealth. Their trade was clothes or cloth and dyes. But they also had another trade that Thyatira did not have, and that was they mined gems, beautiful, beautiful jewelry. As a matter of fact, note, when John gets called into heaven itself, look at chapter 4, just probably across the page. You don't have to even turn. Revelation chapter 4. It says in verse 1, after these things. In other words, after we study the churches, now John is transformed into heaven itself. He said, I saw a a door standing open in heaven. And then he goes on to talk about it. We'll talk about it in a few weeks when we get there. But the point I wanted to make was in verse 3 of chapter 4. And the one who was sitting on this throne was like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance. And there was a, a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Well, that Sardis stone that is mentioned in chapter 4 and verse 3 was named after the city Sardis and after the beautiful stones and gems that were mined there within that city. And so this once great and powerful city called Sardis was now fading, we learn, This once impregnable city was being overtaken by an enemy, but from where? Well, the enemy was not from outside. The enemy came from within, and it was apathy, indifference, ho-hum about the things of God. Are you there? Or does your passion run deep still? Are you older in the Lord, but finding your love for the Lord getting greater and greater, just like I, I would pray your love for your wife, for your husband, that you love her more today than when you f- first said I do to her. And you love the Lord today more than the first when you said, come into my heart and forgive me of my sin. Sardis in his glorious past was now faced with a very bleak future. Sardis had lost its former glory. We know that from what the Lord says. Everybody says they were alive. They had a name that was alive. But the Lord says no. No, 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 you're dead. And they lost their passion. They lost their passion for ministry. They lost their passion for Christ. And they are dying, not from an outward enemy. No, they are dying like many churches today. They are dying from within, of apathy, of indifference towards Jesus Christ. May we never go there, ever, never. Because apathy and indifference within your life and within my life becomes one of our greatest enemies. You know, this this is in passing, but... When I watch football, and I like to watch football, and every once in a while they have this blimp overhead, you know, that shows the the people parking miles away. Or I don't know, miles. That's probably an exaggeration, but far away. And they walk to the game, and they make sure they get to the game on time. In fact, some come and and have, what do they call them, tailgate parties, where where they have a bite to eat, and some of them 
drink probably too much. And, and they do all of that stuff because they got to get to the game. They want to get to their seat on time. Don't miss the first kickoff. And I think, it's a football game. Now, I love football. Don't get me wrong. I've, I TiVo it. TiVo saved my marriage, you know. <laughs> I TiVo it so I can watch every play if I want. But I think about people that, that rush to a football game or a sporting event or something, a concert. And yet we come to church haphazardly. I don't get it. I don't get it. When everything about us, everything about our lives should be centered around our faith and our walk and our commitment to Jesus Christ and His church. Sardis is a warning to every single church. It's a, it's a reminder of how easy it is for God's work and God's ministry to die. And so Jesus reminds them in verse 1 of who it is who's speaking to them. And, and this is a, a, what a great introduction to this church. He says in verse 1, To the angel of the church of Sardis write this, He who has... The seven spirits of God. That means he who has the Holy Spirit. And he who has the seven stars. In other words, he has all the churches. Seven is a perfect number, a complete number. So he says, I have the Holy Spirit. I have all the churches. I say this, I know your deeds. I know that you have a name, that you are alive, he says, but you're dead. Jesus warns them, although they have lost their place of power, they have been proclaimed by him as dead, he still has, and he still and forever will be the head of all the churches, holding the very power of the churches in his hands. That's why I say to you, we can't say to God, look, we got this plan. Here's what we want to do. Come bless us. No, we ought to look and see, what do you want us to do, Father? Where are you moving, Father, so that we can come with you and be blessed, so the Holy Spirit can move in and through our lives, so we can feel the passion and the power of God flowing through our church and our lives. These thanks, these images, these images that he mentions, the seven spirits of God, the Holy Spirit, and the seven stars signify that the Holy Spirit, in his fullness, in his power, stands with all of the churches. He'll come bless us. He wants to. He just wants us to follow him rather than asking him to follow us. We don't know what God wants for us. He does. Best follow him. So what Sardis desperately needs was what every church desperately needs, and that is the Holy Spirit of God, of God to give them His power. You know, that, that there's a way to grieve the Spirit of God, and, and I think you know it as well as I do, but would you turn with me please to uh, the book of Ephesians. It's to the left, of course, uh, not too far. You'll go past uh, Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. You'll go past... Uh, Hebrews and Timothy and all that. You get Colossians, then Philippians, and then Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. It's a verse, some verses that, 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 that Kay made us kids remember at, 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 our, at our house 
John Mark Cassie and me. We were always, I was always like with the kids. Well, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a oh, we're gonna have a family meeting. We're gonna have to go through scripture. And I was with the kids. Uh, you know, <laughs> we gotta memorize. Uh. But this was a great place in scripture, and it's it's relevant to today. If you if you look. It says in verse 17, we're not going to read through it all. We're just going to read through a few verses. But look at verse 17. Paul is writing, I say, therefore, I affirm together with the Lord that you would walk no longer as the Gentiles walk. In other words, a Gentile in this case means someone who has no faith in God. Don't walk like them. In fact, it says in verse 23, I want you to renew, be, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And verse 24, put on your new self which is in the likeness of God. Then he says in verse 25, 26, and 27, lie aside falsehood, don't, don't lie, and, and don't, don't, you can be angry, but don't, let, don't sin in your anger. And, and then it says, don't steal, rather work. But here is what he's saying in verse 29. This is what Kay made us memorize. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it might give grace to those who hear. And then it says in verse 30, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Simple, by sinning. Therefore, he says in verse 31 and 32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, let those things be put away from you along with malice, all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you and me. We grieve the Spirit of God by sinning. Paul said in Ephesians 2.1, You and I were dead, dead in our transgressions or trespasses and our sins. And so Jesus says back in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, I know, I know your deeds. You say you're alive, but you're not. You see, among the people of Sardis, Sardis had a great name, a great reputation, but not so with the Lord. No, they had lost that. Jesus said, you're spiritually dead. You see, the essence of it is that Jesus never, ever looks at the exterior. He doesn't. He always takes a look at us from within. He wants to see what our heart's all about. One of my favorite places, it's a great, great story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God is through with Saul. Saul is a terrible king, and so he wants to anoint another king. So he tells Samuel to go and find his king, prophet Samuel. Samuel goes to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse. And there Samuel sees Jesse's eldest son, Eliab, who is, must have been a good, uh, couldn't have been me, it must have been someone good-looking, big, you know, just a sturdy-looking dude. And Samuel was about to lay his hands and anoint this guy, Eliab, as the king. And God said to Samuel, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it's the most beautiful of the places in Scripture. God says, Sam, don't, Samuel, don't look at his appearance. Don't look at the height of his stature. Because God said to Samuel, I've rejected him. And then he said these words. Because God does not see as man sees. Samuel, 
Man looks at the outward appearance, Samuel, but God looks at what? The heart. The heart. That's what's wrong with Sardis. I love this verse. You see, at times, someone, anyone, might fool the world, but we can't fool God. No, we can't. Now, we might, as a church, look like we're alive, but we better check with Jesus Christ to see if that's true or not, whether it be you individually or us as a church. And here, in this great place in Scripture, God is going to teach us how to know that we're okay, that we are walking with this passion. We are not apathetic, and we are not indifferent to the things of God. And so he says in verse 2, back in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2, wake up. For crying out loud, wake up. I I added for crying out loud. Wake up and strengthen. Watch this. Strengthen the things that remain. In other words, it's not all lost. There are things there that still remain which are about to, to die if you don't wake up. Because he says, I have not found your deeds completed. Note, he has not found what they have done complete in the sight of my God. And so Jesus tries to wake them up, to get them out of their place of apathy and indifference, to bring passion back into their lives, to put Jesus Christ as first in their church and in their lives. He wants to move them to passion towards himself, the church, the things that we do in the church, our ministry. Note this encouraging word from our Lord. Even though he says in verse 1, they are spiritually dead, he still gives them hope after, hopefully, they wake up. Because He does say in verse 2, strengthen the things that remain. In other words, they're still good there. Strengthen them. Wake up. I don't know, but perhaps they had given up on themselves. But Jesus had not given up on them. And that's that's a note for you and me. Listen, no matter what it is that you have done, no matter what it is that we might have done, our Lord will never, ever give up on us. He just won't. He asks us to wake up and strengthen the things that remain. So what's the remedy? Well, the remedy is is just amazing. Watch. He tells us how to be complete in the sight of God, which he has now stated in verse 2, I've not found you complete. But here's how. Verse 3. Verse 3 is the verse. It is amazing. He says, Remember, therefore, what you have received and what you have heard, and keep it, and then repent, if need be. I added, if need be. The three things that... that, Please put the... uh, It's on the board. Look, uh, Shelly did this for for me. I I called her during the week, and I said, The the message is built around really three words, Shell. Remember, keep, and repent. Can, Can you make a... A, a thing up on the wall for me. And she did. Remember, 
the things of God. In other words, that's why we teach what we do here. That's why we teach as we do. If we were to right now just all of us walk over to the room 180, we would see being, they're being taught out of the Word of God. Word upon word, line upon line. Remember what you and I have learned from these things and then keep them. Keep the things that we have learned. And when you are convicted, when we, any of us, are convicted of sin, turn from it. You see, it's not magical. It's not like that hard. When we talked about sin a couple of weeks ago, we, we mentioned Joseph and Potiphar's wife, and we, we taught, how did Joseph deal with sin? What did he do? When she tried to entice him into bed, what did he do? Fled. Thank you. You see, you don't have to go to seminary. That's it. That's how you deal with sin. You turn from it and you run. You get away from it. You repent of it. How do you keep yourself alive? Remember the things of God. What you remember, keep. And when the Spirit of God convicts you of sin... As you study and remember the things of God that you have received and you keep it and all of a sudden you get convicted, then repent from it. In other words, confess it and turn from it. And then you will find that you have life. And then you will find passion bubbling out of you. Last week I received what I would consider the finest compliment that anyone can receive. A couple of times, not just once. Younger people came to me and said, you know, you, remember when we were a kid, we went to church over at Yorba Linda Friends, and you used to cry and weep, and you used to just love the Lord. You were so passionate, and look at you. You're still the same. You still are passionate for the Lord, and I, I thanked them, but inside of my spirit, it just leaped. I mean, I just thanked the Lord that, that, that the passion still runs deep in my heart to be be a man of God and to preach the Word of God and to try to get you to, to follow after what God is speaking to your heart, not mine. That's why I, I beg of the Lord to move me out of the way so that you can see what, what He's saying to your heart, not what I might be saying. And so we are to remember the things of God, we're to keep the things of God, and we are to repent when need be. First things first, Jesus gets, gets us back to the basics. He just simply says, remember what you received, remember what you heard. Simply put, remember my word. Remember my word. Because this is the very foundation of yours and my faith. There's no deep secrets in fighting away apathy. There's no deep secrets in, in, in being, not being indifferent unto the Lord. Just remember what God has taught you. Keep what you remember and, and repent when need be. It's simple, folks. It really is. There's no deep, dark secrets to our faith in Christianity. There's no deep, dark secrets in being passionate and staying alive for the Lord. But Jesus does give us a warning. He says in verse 3, at the end of it, if we don't, if we do not do these simple three steps of remembering, keeping, and repenting, then if you do not wake up, he says at the end of verse 3, I'll come to you like a thief. And you'll not know at what hour that I'll come upon you. And the consequences of coming like a thief is that without warning. And he'll take away our, our power, our effectiveness, our, our influence for Christ within the community in which we live. 
And history tells us, folks, that's a, that is exactly what happened to Sardis. Today, Sardis is surrounded and become the center of Muslim influence in the world. There's not an influence for Christ in that area today. Spiritual apathy, spiritual indifference will bring about God's judgment. Make no mistake about it. And so I beg of you, as I beg of myself, wake up and strengthen the things that remain. Take care of ourselves. Take care of your spiritual walk. Make, make church and God a priority in your life. Make your church a priority in your life. Remember what God is teaching you. Be willing to keep what you've learned. And when need be, repent or confess or turn from sin. And that will put away apathy and indifference in your life, I promise you. It will allow you to wake up and strengthen those things that God has brought to us as a church. Father, please, please allow us to hear the things of God that you give us. I do pray, Father, that I would never get in the way of any message that you wish to give us. I do believe strongly, Father, that churches across these United States of America are becoming apathetic, pitiful, indifferent to the things of God. We've, we've sold out. We've sold out. I pray not here, Father, ever. I pray not here ever, Father. I pray that we will always remain awakened and strengthening those things which are yours. Oh, Father, bless this congregation of people. Bless us this coming week. Bless us as we go to Good Friday and, and consider the, the death that you, you did on the cross for us. And bless Pastor Bill as he gives us his message on, on uh, Good Friday. And then, Father, for the, the friends and the people and the loved ones, family who might come here uh, on Easter Saturday or Sunday, that we would be able, Father, to, to preach a message that will touch their hearts. And that can only happen, Father, if you will prepare them and prepare us so that we are a group of people who are clothed in white garments, walking in a manner that is worthy. Use us, Father. Use the Rock Community Church in whomever life you wish. We will be available, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.